global phenomenon, Surviving the Survivor, where we bring you the best guests in all of true crime. What's up, STS Nation, and welcome to another episode of Surviving the Survivor, the podcast that promises to bring you the very best guests in all of true crime, and today is no exception. Uh, This is a really fascinating story with a lot of tentacles. Karen Reed, she is the girlfriend of late Boston police officer John O'Keefe. She was accused of backing over this boyfriend, John O'Keefe, a Boston police officer uh, in Canton, Massachusetts, and leaving him to die in a January 2022 blizzard. Uh, But she says she wasn't even there when it happened. The question must be asked, is she being framed that is what her defense is saying. And we've got some of the best guests on this. Wendy Murphy uh, in the red. She serves as adjunct professor of sexual violence law at New England Law Boston, where she also co-directs the Women's and Children's Advocacy Project under the Center for Law and Social Responsibility. She is a former visiting scholar at Harvard Law School. You've probably heard of it. Then you've got uh, Tom Simon. Uh, He served the FBI for 26 years as a special agent with an expertise in white-collar crime investigations and sensitive national security matters. He's also a CPA, which is interesting, an accountant, a forensic accountant, and a licensed private investigator based out of Jacksonville, Florida. His company is Simon Worldwide Investigations. Uh, He works uh, discrete investigations, including corporate Embezzlement, I might have to put him on the payroll, Payroll. make sure my wife's not uh, spending uh, in any kind of crazy manner. Um, Lara Uretzian, uh, certainly uh, last but not least, she is the principal of Uretzian Law, a criminal defense firm in Glendale, California. Uh, not Known not only as a tenacious advocate and master negotiator, but also as a compassionate and uplifting guide for her clients. Uh, she worked for a guy named Mark Garagos, who you may have heard of, uh, at the law offices of Garagos and Garagos with uh, clients like Michael Jackson, uh, hip-hop artist Nate Dogg. The list goes on and on. Um, please follow us on Facebook, Insta, Twitter, at Podcast STS. Uh, you can also find us anywhere you listen to podcasts, like Apple Podcasts, so check us out there. Uh, so you can support us at Patreon, and you can get a YouTube membership. And uh, the CTO, the COE, she is working on uh, revamping the merch store and getting some cooler stuff there, uh, like funky new mugs. Uh, one last quick thing. Tomorrow, I forgot, at a prior commitment, so we are switching the show from 12.30 p.m., back to 7 p.m., try to do 12.30 for uh, the global audience, but we've got to do 7 tomorrow night. However, uh, because I kind of screwed that up, uh, I'm going to give you guys a choice. Tomorrow night, do we can go back to Rachel Morin, the mother of five, found murdered in Maryland on a hiking trail, or do we continue on with the Long Island serial killer? Please let us know in the comments section, and I think the COE is going to throw up a, uh, a poll as well. So, uh, let's just do a quick backstory here on what happened, and then we'll get into it because it's a it's kind of a complicated case. John O'Keefe, as I said, was a Boston police officer. He was found dead uh, the morning, uh, the next day. It happened uh, in January 2022. Uh, he was found on a Saturday morning, um, dead at a fellow police officer's home, laying in the snow. And that police officer's name is Brian Albert. 
Uh, three days later, a woman, the girlfriend of this police officer, John O'Keefe, is arrested on manslaughter charges, which then get up to second degree murder charges. Now, prosecutors, they say that she struck O'Keefe, John O'Keefe, with her SUV. They were all drinking at a party. Um, and she is, as, as I said, uh, accused of being drunk and leaving him to die. But her defense, one of whom is a Los Angeles-based or at least a California-based attorney, says not so fast. Uh, he says that this officer, John O'Keefe, walked into the home of this officer and was met with a quote-unquote element of hostility, implying that he was sucker punched, uh, got hurt, and then the body was moved. Now, this case, uh, again, happened back in January 2022. That's when the uh, death occurred. But it really picked up steam this summer because Dateline is doing a show, and the Today Show played a clip where Karen Reed, the woman, uh, the defendant now, uh, said that they were uh, very much in love uh, with this Boston police officer. They were laughing and having a good time, which is not the picture that the prosecution states. Um, Wendy Murphy, I guess kind of your broad stroke on this. I know you were on court TV talking about it. Um, whose side are you taking here? I mean, we've got the state saying uh, she did it, and you've got uh, the defense saying, uh-uh, she's being framed. Well, strangely enough, I'm kind of on both sides, or if you prefer, I'm on neither side, uh, because I think the real problem with this case is that she was overcharged. I don't think there's any doubt at all that she killed him. Uh, but likewise, I don't think there's any doubt that it was not a murder. Um, you know, the, the evidence is so overwhelming that she did hit him and that that is why he died. Um, but I don't think there's any evidence at all that she wanted to kill him, even though they did have trouble in the relationship. The, the bottom line for me is what does the evidence show? And the most compelling evidence by far is her own statements. I mean, we're talking about things she said not only to multiple witnesses, um, and, and I mean multiple witnesses, right after this happened, but also what she said to police and what she said to police that is, you know, indisputed. I mean, unless you're going to say that every witness, not just the police, but all the witnesses she spoke to are all lying about the fact that she said she dropped him off. She did a three-point turn. And then when he didn't come home, she said, and, and, you know, when she realized the next morning that maybe something happened, she said, oh, my God, I hit him to multiple people. I mean, even, even her own father recently said on television that she said to him, so he's going to be part of the conspiracy, too, if this is all a big lie. She said to him, I think I hit something. Now, whether she said to him, I think I hit him or I think I hit something, the point is... She was wasted. She was bombed. She drove him to the party. He got out. He was carrying a glass in his hand, a drink he had taken from the bar where they had all been drinking. O'Keefe was drunk too. He gets out of the car. There's a bit of confusing information about whether she dropped him, you know, at the, at the driveway side of the house or on the far end of the house. It doesn't matter because the bottom line is he gets out he apparently falls on his ass because he's drunk. And when she does her three-point turn, which she says she did, let's take her at her word. She's the one who said she did a three-point turn. If she backs into him, and oh, by the way, she ends up with a broken taillight, which she didn't have <laughs> before she hit him, uh, pieces of her taillight are found at the scene where his dead body is. Um, 
And there's no real explanation for how those pieces of her taillight got at the scene right near where his body was found. If she backs up and hits him because, and she can't see him because he fell on his ass before she knocked him over, which would make sense. That's where his injury is, right above his right eye. He gets slammed back and, and, and fractures his skull, which is how he ends up dying, apparently. There's some hypothermia, too, because he then gets buried by a blizzard. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, his head gets slammed down. He gets a fractured skull in the back. And everybody knows. I mean, this is not unusual knowledge. I was a prosecutor for many years. I worked with her lawyer, Unetti. We worked in the same office. Um, we all know that if, if someone gets a bad head injury, they're going to end up with bilateral uh, black eyes. It's a common response to bleeding from head trauma. Um, and those are his injuries. And so, Wendy, what, what do you think? Explanation for how what do you think? ends up with his body. So why they came up, why the defense came up with this cockamamie theory about the conspiracy among the cops because they actually beat him up. It's so nonsensical. And she just froze up there. Even, yeah. Um, He's hurting the defense credibility. I think Yannetti is a great lawyer. I think he's destroying his credibility. And I think we all need to admit something. And then, and then I'll, and then I'll shut up. We have to understand something. Defense attorneys can and do pay money to PR firms or bloggers or whatever to put nonsense into the court of public opinion and to whip the public into a frenzy. And I'm sorry to say this, but today the public is only too happy to believe that cops are bad, they're doing bad things. And so it sticks. It sticks even when there's no rational Mm. basis for it. But let's understand that. It's a tactic that the defense uses in some cases. Spend money on PR, get the media to whip the public into a frenzy about nonsense, and hope that it translates into something advantageous for your client. The conspiracy theory that the cops are all in this and they killed him after she left? Bullshit. Wendy, uh, tell us how you really feel. The Boston passion. Real quick, Wendy, uh, what should she have been charged with? Manslaughter. Manslaughter. At best. At best. If you don't want someone to die, if you're not intending that they die, but you do something reckless, like you're too drunk to look out your rearview mirror carefully and make sure no one's behind you before you do a three-point turn, that's manslaughter. And that's what she should have been charged with. And if he were not a cop, that's what she would have been charged with. And there, there were some interesting Google searches from the uh, someone connected to uh, the police officer whose house, uh, the person who was having this party. We're going to get to that, um, which is a defense's case. Uh, That's we'll get also into the, nonsense, but we'll get to it. We'll, we'll, get, we'll, to get, it. we'll get into the weeds on that. Uh, Tom Simon, uh, we're looking at a photo right now of Karen Reed and uh, her now late boyfriend, John O'Keefe, a Boston police officer uh, who served his city. Uh, there's a question here from Ketchup. Uh, so I'm going to bring this down and bring up Ketchup's question. We'll get right into it, Tom. Uh, you have a Boston police officer who's found dead on the lawn of a other Boston police officer's home. Why was there no search warrant or forensic evidence done for that home? Um, Tom Simon? I, I mean, first of all, I want to just adopt all of Wendy's comments as my own. Uh, she said it better than I do. I, I have some additional comments to add to hers, but answering Ketchup's question, um, 
there's a lot of been a lot of criticism of the investigation after the fact, some of which I think is warranted, some of which is not. However, there's there was no indication at the time that there was anything that happened inside. You had, you know, a dozen people at this party inside the Albert's home, all with the same story that this guy never set foot. We're, we're as surprised as anyone to find his dead body on our front yard. So I don't even know that there's probable cause to search the inside of the house, even if they wanted to. Um, if I can add one thing. If I can add one thing to what Wendy said, the problem with the conspiracy theory that the defense is floating is the same problem with all conspiracy theories, whether it's the faking of the moon landing to 9-11 being an inside job. It falls apart upon scrutiny because it requires too many damn people doing the wrong thing and then keeping their mouth shut under pressure. Right. Everyone is risking their freedom and their careers and their pensions to cover up a murder with the master plan of hiding the victim's body on the front lawn of the murder house. It's ridiculous. Hmm. Interesting take here. Now, the elephant in the room, and I want to address it. Now we're going to get to Lara is Turtle Boy. Uh, and a few people are messaging me and commenting about him. Turtle Boy has thoroughly studied this case. He is an independent uh, investigative reporter out of the Boston area. He knows all the court filings like the back of his hand. He's gone to the court hearings and speaks with several locals. He was at a meeting last night because I was seeing what he was up to. Uh, just so you know, and here's another one, uh, both from one Olivia, one Olive. Uh, Turtle Boy has blown this case wide open. A lot of alleged corruption from police and one family within uh, it. The evidence against Karen doesn't add up at all. So uh, this is a polarizing case, and she's had a lot of people uh, in front of the courthouse in support of her. So I want to let you know that I reached out to Turtle Boy, uh, gave him an open invite through direct message uh, for this very show, never heard back. Uh, also tweeted at him, uh, never heard back. So I want you guys to know I did reach out to Turtle Boy. Um, I do respect the fact that he's investigating this case. Maybe we'll get him on another time. Maybe he's blowing us off. Maybe he's too busy. Maybe he's not blowing us off. Either way, just want you to know that I do know that he's uh heavily invested in the case and tried to get his comment. Uh, Lara Yaretsian, to you, you're a, a skilled defense attorney. Uh, that One of the defense attorneys, one of the main guys here is a guy named Alan Jackson, who represented Kevin Spacey, Harvey Weinstein. He prosecuted Phil Spector. I don't know if you know him. Um, curious to get your take if you do, but just, um, you know, what do you make of this conspiracy theory that she's being framed? Is that a, a cockamamie idea, as Wendy and Tom suggest, or are you buying it? I see that as reasonable doubt, basically. Uh, you, If you can show that before the body was found, someone in the house is searching how long before someone can die in the cold, you take that and you uh, couple that up with evidence from the Apple uh, Apple Health app uh, showing that O'Keefe actually took uh, many steps, about 80 steps, and and went up three flights. Uh, and that's from coming straight from Apple, which means there's movement after the so-called uh, collision. And there's a lot of movement after the so-called collision that supports this concept that he went inside, that she did not hit him. So, and there's other things too, and we've heard, we've heard uh, this, uh, the, the individual that you were talking about, who's been also investigating, he's also been talking about the, um, the plowing company that the detective had put down in the reports, and that was not the accurate one. It doesn't even exist. The actual individual, the, the plow driver who was in fact there, never saw a body at 2.30, 2.30-ish a.m. So there's a lot of little pieces 
that no one's been able to explain. If you put them all together in a case like this, case like this, where there's where where there's this um, theme uh, that there's a cover up, a jury is going to look at all of that and say, you know what, this is reasonable doubt, and we're going to acquit her. So whether it's overcharged, whether she accidentally killed him, it almost doesn't matter. You have enough ingredients for a jury to come to a point that they decide, you know what, there's reasonable doubt, we're not gonna convict this lady. And I think that's a great point. Wendy, I'm gonna let you jump right back in, but for those who do not know the case that well, and I'm speaking to the non-turtle boys of the world, because most people do not know this case that well, uh, the um, allegation from uh, the officer who was having this party is that John O'Keefe never even made it into the home, that he was outside, got hit outside, but there is, data from a cell phone uh, allegedly showing him uh, what the defense says was walking within the home. And that is what Lara is uh, referring to there. Um, By the way, shout out to Jersey, Jen Castaldi from my home state, right? here. That's my Jersey hat. You can't really see it. I don't know which way to move it. Never mind. But uh, Jen's been dealing with stuff with her mom. So uh, Jen, we were just asking about you. Glad to see you here uh, on the live chat. Uh, Welcome to the show. Um, Wendy, I'm going to let you have back at it in just a second. So Karen Reed basically tells her defense, tells a completely different story. Uh, They say that she found Officer John O'Keefe, her boyfriend, when she picked him up the next morning after this party. And you're right. They were out partying. They were out drinking. They were basically uh, obliterated, uh, drunk, hammered, however you want to put it. Um, But she says, again, that she found him. Uh, there's another photo of the two of them as the COE is working to bring you these graphics. Um, but Reed's attorneys say the injuries are consistent with a severe beating. Um, you're not buying it. What was interesting to me, and listen, I'm the journalist here. I ask the questions, have not studied the case as closely uh, as some others, but uh, you know, learning a lot about it now. And on the one hand, defense attorneys are saying it could have been an animal attack. On the other hand, they're saying that he was in the house getting sucker punched and beaten up. Um, that didn't really square with me. What do you make of that, Wendy? I, I mean, if, if this were not a serious case, I would think that was shtick from SNL. Uh, it's so stupid. Everything about the forensic case is clear. There is no evidence of any punching, no defensive wounds, no injuries consistent with a beating, nothing, zero, zero. The only really important thing to remember here is that everything that was done and said up to, you know, the first three days after this happened is is sort of, it was, everybody was in agreement that she hit him, even she was in agreement. She hit him, it was by accident, um, and she was devastated. It, it, things only went south after they started talking about charging her, her with murder because they weren't they weren't getting along in their relationship. And I think when you overcharge someone, you get an overdefense in the other direction. I want to say something about this unbelievably silly idea that he had somehow gone into the house. All the witnesses just lied about that, right? All of them. And they weren't all cops, by the way, but they all just, and they weren't even all adults or they were young adults, family members, all lied and said, we never saw him come in. That makes no sense. But here's the thing about that iPhone data, the very data and the very technology the defense says proves that he was walking around 80 some odd steps 
shows that that data was was um, created hours after he died. Like, like he supposedly took 64 steps at 10.30 in the morning. He was already dead and in the hospital. I mean, this is so, this is why it's so nutty to even say this out loud. When a jury finds out that the defense has been making up nonsense stories in the court of public opinion to try to manipulate jurors into thinking that up is down and black is white, they will go after her with a vengeance. They'll find her guilty of murder to punish the defense for insulting the jury and making the jury, making the jury feel like they think they're dumb. They even, the very little bit of so-called cell phone proof of where he was and how he went up and down stairs, every single aspect of that data shows that either he could not have been at the home at the time, that's the data that shows he went up and down the stairs, there's video proof that the car wasn't even there at that time. He wasn't even there at that time. So whoever was going up and down the stairs, that's not connectable to him technologically. And the walking, all of the walking that supposedly is proved by tel- cell phone technology, because it's sort of this stuff about you know, your health data, how many steps did you take today? All the steps he took, all 80, whatever there are of them, occurred hours after he died, according to the defense experts technology. So can we, I mean, based on that alone, based on the fact that there's an expert somewhere willing to sell his or her soul for cash to make up a crazy story about a dead guy walking 84 steps after he's already in the morgue? Can we now just, you know, dismiss the conspiracy theory, what more do we need? And can I emphasize her tail light, the plastic from her tail light found adjacent to the body? Do you think that the, the cops decided not only to beat him up, even though there's no proof he ever went in the house, but they he somehow went in the house anyway after he died, and they beat him up, and they made a dog scratch his arm somehow, blaming the poor dog. He can't even defend himself, right? And then somehow they thought they would pin it on her. So they went to where she was, which was two miles away at O'Keefe's house, and they broke the taillight. There's no broken pieces of the taillight at his house, but that's where the car was. But they broke the taillight, grabbed a few pieces in a blizzard, and drove back two miles in the snow and plopped those broken taillight pieces next to his body, along with the broken pieces of the glass he took from the bar, which everybody agrees, he took a glass filled with booze from the bar before they went yeah. off to this house. He was, he, was, he was holding, yeah, he was holding a glass and they found fragments of that glass. At exactly. The- There's also glass found in the bumper, hasn't been tested yet. And guess what else is found in the bumper? That the defense is being a wuss about hair, hair, human hair was found in the bumper of her car right at the location where that broken taillight is. And guess who's dragging their feet on getting the hair tested? Not the prosecution. Isn't that funny? I find that funny. Wendy Murphy, uh, ever passionate, uh, Tom Simon, uh, so many places to go, and this is such a convoluted story. Um, and we I got, be, I got two points I want to bring up. If that's yeah, okay. go, go for it, go for it. 
Okay, cool. First of all, I want to talk about the cynicism of the defense attorney, right? The defense attorney's story has changed over time. His initial statements to the media after the arraignment all rested on the fact that Karen had no criminal intent, which was the best defense that he had at the time. It wasn't until much later that he concocted this vast conspiracy story that he's been peddling to the media. If she did not hit him with her car, he, the defense attorney would not have been making criminal intent arguments. He would have been saying that she has been falsely accused, okay? So this this conspiracy theory, he is late to the party. He's telling on himself within that regard. The other thing I wanna bring up, this inconvenient fact, is that there was a Canton firefighter who responded to the 911 call right when they found the body, a female firefighter. She witnessed Karen telling her friend repeatedly, I hit him, I hit him, I hit him. When I was an FBI agent, we would call that a confession. You would have to believe that this female firefighter would have to be lying and part of this giant multi-agency conspiracy if, uh, it, you know, if she's truly, uh, if, if this is not the truth. This firefighter has no ax to grind in this thing. I, it, to me, the conf someone confesses and then all the physical evidence that Wendy brought up, everything else is just noise. And Tom, uh, I just want to come back to you. Uh, you're a former FBI uh, police officers. Uh, a lot of times, you know, they, they refer to themselves as a brotherhood, uh, whether that's sexist or not, in 2023. Uh, uh, you don't see any possibility that this is some sort of cover-up based on the fact that police do cover up. Maybe there was some sort of accident, but you, don't, you just don't think that the evidence right now, from what I understand, supports this. I have worked plenty of conspiracy cases and I've locked up plenty of police officers. I, I, I was assisting in the investigation of the police chief in, in uh, Honolulu, Hawaii, where I used to work. The guy was crooked as a barrel of snakes and now he's in prison for it, okay? I arrested plenty of cops in Chicago. Police officers are capable of doing the wrong thing. I'm not a Pollyanna about that. But in order to believe this, let's take attendance here on who needed to cooperate. You have Jen McCabe, the drinking buddy who lured John O'Keefe to Colin Albert's house to be murdered. You have a dozen people at the party who've taken a blood oath to cover up a murder that took place at that party. You got a state police officer who conducted the investigation, Michael Proctor. You have an alcohol, tobacco, and firearms, a fellow federal agent who was at the party who must have lied. You have several Canton police officers. You got the female firefighter. You got the medical examiner, presumably the prosecutor. This is absolutely insane. There's no brotherhood in law enforcement. There's no thin blue line. Every single one of these people, if they don't care about their oath of office, they certainly care about their pension. And none of them are going to lie about a fellow officer being killed like that. Uh, well put. Tom Simon should be on radio and TV. He's a handsome guy, but I'm just saying he has a great voice. That's my point. I got uh, a face great, for radio. Yeah. Great, great voice. Uh, Becky Ireland and uh, Larry, I'm coming right back to you. Uh, my favorite comment of the day. I live in an apartment complex with 55 apartments. I've told everyone about the STS Nation. Best guest ever. Uh, Becky, surviving the survivor at Gmail. Uh, hit me up. I'm going to have the COE send out some swag and uh, we can hand some stuff out at the apartment complex. How about that? Um, I put my kids to work just now. I'm not going to lie. I had uh, I have some magnets, some big round magnets, and I made uh, my kids go out and put them on the bumper of my car. People around town know about the podcast. Um, I'll take the advertising any way I can get it. Uh, did not pay my kids for that labor, uh, which is probably uh, illegal. Tolly right here, uh, hi STS fam. The wives stories lately are wild, poisoning, running over with a car, hiring a hitman. Ladies, just get a divorce, live your best life, and not a life with a cellmate named Bubba, who will shank you. Tolly's coming to us uh, live in Israel, where my lovely mother is at the moment. Um, Larry, 
who I asked, uh, admittedly, sort of last minute to come on, is looking at us like, what did I get myself into? Um, oh, Laura's enjoying Laura's used to this kind of stuff. Yeah. And, I, and I and I, I want to comment about a couple of things that my colleagues well, said, including what the really love having, By the way, this is why I love having lawyers. I don't even have to ask a question. I just start the show and you guys go, go for it. <laughs> We're ready. Um, this idea that the criminal lawyer made one statement in the beginning and another, we have to remember, uh, law enforcement is, has plenty of time to investigate a case. They've got access to all the information and the evidence, right? The witnesses, the statements, all of it. You've got a criminal defense attorney who comes into a case, is talking to the client, a client who, from what we understand, was under the influence, doesn't even know that she really hit her boyfriend, did she not hit him? She's second guessing herself, she's doubting herself, doesn't know herself. So it's very natural for him to throw out some of the things that he said initially. But as the case progresses and as he continues investigating the case and he uncovers things, that it is his job to come up with a theory of whatever they think happened. Now, maybe I, I can't tell you for a fact if the theory is 100% accurate, if there's a cover up by the police department, but I cannot, I know Wendy has this idea and I don't really know where you're getting all this information from because all of the, the info that I've got um, from having watched what some of the things that the criminal defense attorneys were saying about what their expert has said is that they've got information from Apple that shows he in fact walked. He took 80 steps. I know you're saying it's two hours later. My understanding is it's at 1231. So where are you getting your info? So I have to stick to what I've heard. And that is it's, it was at 1231 and there's also three flights of walking now. The other thing I want you guys to explain, if there were 30 people at that party, someone must have walked out. Someone must have left at some point. That's Nobody noticed no, 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 that's, not, that's not correct. There were five people, not 30. Five, five people. And then one of them happens to be, one of them happens to be researching uh, even before the body is discovered, whether someone, how long it would take wrong, for someone to, wrong, to me, that in wrong. itself, Despite everything that is said, that is not wrong. My understanding That's is that correct. is not correct. Okay, I won't say it's wrong. It's not correct. But but not the correct. time is before correct. the body is found. No, that's not correct. That not someone correct. Let, no, that hold, hold, let her talk, Wendy. Let yeah, her talk. Go ahead. The idea that, I, and I let you talk, Wendy. Sorry. No, I know. Go ahead. I'm sorry. The idea that someone would research that on Google don't, don't don't tell me that that's a coincidence. To me, that's a consciousness of guilt of some, and somebody tried, I, again, maybe it happened inside, maybe it happened, I don't know. But the bottom line is, to me, that shows some something. And, and, and that's enough. If anyone is on that jury, I almost don't care, really, if it was somebody punching him inside. The bottom line is, we know that he's alive. He's walking after the so-called collision and and we've got somebody researching this and then we've got the plow driver who says didn't see a body at around 2 30 ish so to me all of that together is just inescapable that you know a piece of her car of the taillight being there she made there was i i there was a video that they were showing where she backed up and hit a car and that could have been from that you know it totally explained it it's a reasonable explanation of circumstantial evidence so this idea that, you know, just because the prosecution, you know, there's these five people who claim that, she, that he never stepped foot into the house, we just take that at, as face value and ignore everything 
everything else that we have here is also not okay. The bottom line is this. At the end of the day, we all can say whatever the heck we want to say. But guess who's going to decide this case? The jury. And a jury yeah. is going to buy into a reasonable doubt. There's plenty oh, no, of it. No, no only, only if you picked exclusively brain dead jurors, then yeah, they might. But look, Laura, Laura I, I don't know you. You seem lovely. I mean, I have all the respect for you in the world. But uh, I read the pleadings in the case. I didn't watch shows. And I read all the court pleadings, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pages. So when I tell you that the time when he was supposedly walking around was after he was dead, I'm telling you what I read in the court papers. And I'm also going to get the prosecution's version, right? You can finish after. Um, when I tell you that it's nonsense, that there was a Google search for uh, how long did it take a, a body to die or whatever the sentence was, the defense claimed, and this was important when they said it, the defense claimed that McCabe queried, I don't know if she used Google, she used some search engine, uh, how long does it take a body to, to die in the snow or hyperthermia? I forget the exact language. Um Technologically, of course, the government had to respond to that. And two things came out of their investigation. And it's reasonable. The government should investigate any time a piece of evidence is offered by the defense. The prosecution should do its due diligence to see whether it helps support proof of innocence or not. So that's what they did. And what the pleading shows, if you read it, is that that search absolutely did not take place at 2.07 in the morning, as the hired gun defense expert claimed. And although it's complicated, and I'm not going to bore everybody by trying to explain it, it's really very clear if you read the pleadings. But what's interesting about the incorrect timing of when that search was done, because I'm not disputing that there was such a search, but it just so happens that just after 6 a.m., just after the body was found by not only Karen Reed and McCabe, but a third woman, not only did they all kind of get there at the same time, so they all saw the same thing at the same time, they all witnessed Karen Reed yelling to McCabe because Karen Reed ran to the body and lie on, she lay on top of it to try to warm him up and help him. And she was yelling back to McCabe, Google how long does it take to die in the cold or mm -hmm. something to that effect. Well, that six o'clock time frame is exactly when that Google search was done. Technologically, you and I can't explain to the viewers tonight why the 207 was claimed by the defense expert, but I can assure you if you read the pleading, you will never say that out loud again, that the search was done at two, because it would be embarrassing. Once you read the explanation and how the defense expert was completely out of his mind when he formed that opinion, I don't know how much he got paid to produce that document that falsely claimed the search was made at two in the morning. But not only was it not made at two in the morning, we have corroborating evidence, multiple witnesses who say Karen Reed asked McCabe to make the search for that exact information right after the body was found. So that's not even going to be disputed. There's so much evidence that it didn't happen at two and that it, in fact, it happened at Karen Reed's behest at the scene. And I wonder who those witnesses are who are going to claim that she screened, do that, make that search. 
And and the other thing I'd like to say, again, I haven't read the reports. It sounds like there's two experts and you seem to have taken the prosecutor's expert side. No, I, no, it's no, always, I just watched it. No, I just read the critique. I read the critique of the defense hired gun expert. And you should too, because it's easy to disregard it once you read it. It's nonsense and it's demonstrable nonsense if you just read the pleadings. Well, we'll um, see what the jury makes of that. Time will tell. Well, Anonymous says, uh, so happy you're covering this corruption of the Canton police and connected families. Turtle Boy is our hero in Massachusetts. Now, Tom, uh, so again. Can I I defend Turtle Boy for a second? Say that again? Can I defend Turtle Boy? I I don't think he did that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, he's this blogger, and I think he's been doing a great job kind of analyzing the minutia of this case, and, and he's also planting the seeds of reasonable doubt with the public. The problem is that he's only getting information leaked by the defense for the most part, and, and I can't rebut any of his problems with the case, right? He's bringing up good points, and Lara may be right. There, this may be a, the totality of all the points that he's bringing up may end up equaling the reasonable doubt that this lady needs to get away with, um, you know, get away with this hit and run. Um, I think he and I just look at the totality of evidence and come to different conclusions. He likes the conspiracy theory, and I'm more agnostic about it. I want to wait and see what the prosecution has, because I'm willing to bet that the government is sitting on a mountain of evidence that they're going to present in court rather than trying to try this case in the media with cherry-picked facts the way the defense is doing. But You are just unbelievably polite to him, because one of you is getting paid to believe nonsense, and the other isn't. Raise your hand if that's you. Are you getting paid? Uh, well, I, I have no, I, I have paid? no dog in the street. So I'm hoping Joel's going to, I'm hoping Joel's going to cash at me at the end of the show. But uh, <laughs> and, and and I have no idea what, if Turtle Turtle Boy is getting paid or not. By the way, you know, our, I, guests, I want, our guests are not paid. They do this out of uh, pure love, right here. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, Tom, I don't mean to interrupt, but by the way, Tilo, who's from Boston, uh, says Mama Murphy. So. Tom, I, I'm trying to ask this in a politically shrewd way. Um, let's put it yeah. this way. Um, Turtle Boy is not a huge fan of Wendy Murphy's, understandably, <laughs> after hearing this. Um, Wendy, who is, in my opinion, a badass woman that I would never mess with because she takes no prisoners, um, and she's a amazingly good attorney, is obviously making very strong points. Is it possible? Is it possible, Tom, as the voice of, I feel like you're the mediator here between Larry and Wendy. Um, is, it pos- is it possible that Turtle Boy is right, that there is, and by the way, if anyone has a connection to Turtle Boy, my invitation is very sincere. I'll do a one-on-one show with him um, and go over this uh, point by point uh, to counter what Wendy's saying. Because I know I'm going to get mail after this saying that Wendy's full of, you know what, Turtle Boy knows what he's talking about. And Again, Turtle Boy is more than welcome on my show. But Tom, back to you. Is it possible that Canton, to play devil's advocate, the police department is corrupt and there are connected families, but yet Karen Reed is responsible for John O'Keefe's death? Are they mutually exclusive, meaning could both be the case? Well, I mean, I, I can't speak to Canton uh, Police Department's honesty. I've never been there. I don't know anything about them. I, I, I'm not giving them the good housekeeping seal of approval. Um, so it's certainly possible. And, uh, and you know, I, I just don't know enough about the Alberts. But he's presenting this story as if the Alberts are like the boss hogs of this town and everyone's terrified of them. 
I don't see that. I mean, this is a town with like 25,000 people. The, the city councilman and a sergeant in the police department there, everyone's terrified of them and fall in line. I mean, the, the Segway tour driver around Fenway Park has more power than a guy like that. I mean, this, this isn't like a, someone to be terrified of who can like command people to fall in line from multiple different agencies. To me, the ATF guy who was there that night at the party, right, a task force officer assigned to Canton working, probably knowing how the ATF works, having worked with those guys a long time myself, probably doing felony with gun charges. He's going to put his career on the line uh, for like lying about a murder that took place while he was present. I don't buy that. Again, the thin blue line falls apart when you're dealing with this number of agencies who had to be involved. I want to echo something, though, when we're talking about the um, reasonable doubt. I, the Regarding the cell phone data, it, it is what it is. At some point, it'll come out in the trial, and one side will clearly have it right, and the other side will clearly not. I have no idea. I'm not a technically trained agent. I don't know that. The one thing that leads me to kind of scratch my head, the one that, you know, Turtle Boy has beat the drum on, and I'd love Wendy to address this, are the wounds on his arms. That look, those wounds, and I'm not a forensic guy. I'm not a medical examiner, so I'm way out of my depth. Just looking at those wounds, they don't strike me as the kind of wounds you're going to get when you're hit by a car. It really does look like he was cut or bit or something like that several times on both arms. And again, it's not my area of expertise, but if we're looking for reasons to to kind of have you know, a reasonable doubt about what happened. I'd be very curious to hear what the government's explanation is for those wounds. And they better have something because it sticks out like a sore thumb when you take a look at the photos. And and we're going to get back to that. I'm going to make a note of that uh, right here. So I want to get Lara back in. Um, But um, one, one other quick thing, uh, Tom, you're the, you know, you're, you're the uh, investigator here. I don't know what you know about cell phone data, but when we were talking about these steps inside the house, it immediately immediately made me think of another case that we've been following, which is a Suzanne Morphew case. Uh, she's a mother out in Colorado, went missing on Mother's Day. Uh, the husband was charged, and then they dropped the case. Uh, but they pinged his cell phone, and he was allegedly chasing chipmunks uh, the day she was murdered. Is self, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but is cell phone data this reliable now that we know that he was in the house going no. up three flights of stairs? No, it's not. And that's what I wanted to point out as well. It's reliable, but not precise. You know, everyone you know has knows somebody with a story of somebody who comes to them knocking on the door saying, hey, my cell phone is stolen and the find my iPhone says it's at your house. But it's like, no, the next door neighbor is the junkie who steals phones, not me. I follow my kids sometimes. I got little kids. They run around. I got a, a app to locate where they are. I'm usually within a few hundred yards of where they are at any given point. But this is not the geolocating you see on the show 24. So Again, I don't know, and this isn't my area of expertise, but I just know from experience that the geolocation data on telephones is imperfect. It's decent within a few hundred yards, but the idea that it's going to be able to tell the difference between someone's front door and someone's front yard is preposterous to me. I'm not buying it. Uh, by the way, uh, for those who care, I'm about a tenth of the way through my notes. This could be uh, a nine-hour show. Lara's like, get me out of here. I'm uh, you better start paying me my billable hours, um, which I can't afford. But um, so, so, Lara, I want to come back to you. Um, in her court appearance, I think it was back in July, July 25th. And I remember that because that's my birthday. Uh, she was uh, met by a crowd of supporters. Um, there is, you know, you see the comments. And I'm only bringing this up, Wendy, and you can respond to this after Lara does. But here you go. Just as an example, Wendy was on court TV without being prepared. I hope she's better prepared tonight. Now, 
again, Wendy's one of the smarter people that, you know, that you will meet. And I've spoken with her at length and uh, I've spoken to a lot of dumb people and a lot of smart people. And I can assure you she's smart. But Lara, my question to you, do people want to, in essence, sort of, and I'm not, I don't know either way, but do people have a desire to believe this conspiracy, in your opinion, to believe that the Canton PD are up to no good and maybe part of them are up to no good. Um, you know, I, I went to school in Waltham, Mass, um, and I was in Boston for four years. And, you know, Boston's an interesting place. Uh, it's its own it's its own place. And I would say that right to Tilo's face, who's an SDS, or it's a unique place. Um with a lot of people who are uh, closely connected. Uh, Wendy's tight with, uh, you know, I think her Wendy, your dad was a fireman. Um, it, it's just a community. It's a very close-knit community. But my point, uh, back to you, Lara, do you think people want to believe this conspiracy? And once this Dateline episode, this clip came out on the Today Show where Karen Reed said, you know, everything was hunky-dory, suddenly there are these growing number of supporters and people who are really avid about what Turtle Boy is reporting. What's, what's your take? Obviously, uh, there's a huge interest in the case and people have this tendency in believing conspiracy theories, especially in this case. I mean, Kara Reed comes across as genuine, as very believable. It's very clear, at least from the way she's been behaving, the interviews, she's, everything she's been doing. She's been very outspoken. Her defense has been very outspoken. That she, she, there, she wouldn't have intentionally killed her boyfriend. That I think is pretty clear. And people can't help but believe, um, you know, in her innocence, whether it be if they believe that she never hit him or that there's a conspiracy, whatever the theory is. But then it's not just that. It goes beyond uh, how believable she is, how sympathetic of a figure she is and how well her defense team is doing. It also goes back to the evidence, the evidence and the theory or the story. It's always the theories or stories that each side will put forth, right? For a jury to listen to and decide which one is more believable, right? Uh, and it's a little bit more different than that, obviously. It's not just believability, which one makes more sense. And the prosecution theory is not perfect. We know it's not perfect because of some of the things that I've brought up. And, and of course, Tom just brought up something else too, some of the injuries. Again, I don't know the details of the injuries. It requires an expert to explain how he could have gotten these types of injuries, where the injuries were. Is it possible that he could have gotten those injuries from a mere hit of her just backing up? Or is it something different? It, could it be animal scratches? Could it be animal bites? Could it be punches? What is it? Are some of these defensive wounds? I don't know. I can't tell you, but I can tell you one thing that for now, whatever the prosecution theory is or story is, it's got issues. And the defense has poked enough holes in their theory to create that reasonable doubt. But again, we're going to have to wait and see what happens at a trial, because now part of what we're saying is based on what we read, what we hear from the defense counsel, and it's bits and pieces. We're not seeing everything, and we're giving our opinions based on what we have access to. At the end of the day, we're going to have to hear all of this in, an, in a courtroom where evidence is presented, and we keep an open mind until we hear from both sides, all experts, and decide for ourselves, and the jury was, is going to be deciding it too, if she should be acquitted or not. But for now, from a defense perspective, there's enough holes poked in this theory by the defense 
for me to see a reasonable doubt. And uh, Tila, who's just in the chat, said that uh, she might even go to this trial and said she believes there's uh, enough reasonable doubt, echoing Lara Uretzian's uh, very sentiments. Um, Wendy, back to you. You mentioned you mentioned uh, the father, but he also said uh, that she, his daughter, is factually innocent. He said, I am so immensely proud, my wife Janet and I, to be the father of Karen Reed because she's fighting this. She's factually innocent, and this Commonwealth will ultimately see that, followed by this comment right here from Jan Janet Tehan. The DA has no evidence. Wendy, uh, your response in under 10 minutes. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I don't really value when people say the DA has no evidence, because that's obviously ridiculous. They have a mountain of evidence, and I don't want to go into it again and again and again, because I don't want to waste time on the show saying what we've already said. What I will say is that when the government over-prosecutes, when you overcharge someone, because I was a prosecutor, if you overcharge someone and there's a sense that that's unfair, and prosecutors sometimes do that because they're trying to negotiate, they're planning to negotiate a plea bargain, right? But if you overcharge someone and the public thinks that's unfair, there's a real risk that that could translate into an almost unfair sympathy for a clearly guilty defendant. So prosecutors have to be careful not to do that. And I think they did do that in this case. And in a sense, lit a fire that people were only too willing uh, to throw fuel on because they, they thought this was an overcharge. Not that all the cops were conspiring to cover up a murder, but maybe they were just talking to each other about how to make sure this case is successful. How do we make sure we take care of our own? Um, you know, maybe they... Um, talk to each other about, well, let's not make sure we don't tell uh, the investigators that we were all drunk out of our minds at the bar. That sort of stuff I think is, is you know, a reasonable thing to worry about or to think about. But to, to take it to the next level, I think then you land in this category of over-defending, which again poses, for a jury, poses that same risk that they are going to be insulted, that you think they're stupid. If you make a jury think that you think they're stupid, they will vote against you with a vengeance, almost regardless of the evidence. So the defense is posing that risk to, to Karen Reed right now. And to me, it's almost a risk of malpractice. When the defense is making up such a cockamamie story that it is demonstrably nonsensical, um, and, and I'm not saying everything they're saying is nonsensical, but a lot of it is, you really, really expose yourself as a lawyer to a risk of a malpractice lawsuit. And, and you know, maybe they're setting up an ineffective assistance of counsel claim on defense already because they see she's going to be convicted and, you know, engaging in poor lawyering is a way, I've seen it myself sometimes, a way defense attorneys sometimes will do something really dumb at the trial because they know their client's cooked and they want to get a conviction reversed on ineffective assistance of counsel. Who knows if that's going on? What I can tell you is, though, this stuff we keep saying, uh, at least some of us, about how nonsensical this conspiracy theory is, is sort of um, being embraced by the judge already because this defense team, at least through the turtle people, I think, tried to suggest, well, the defense I know asked to try to recuse the judge. They filed a motion to try to recuse the judge and they used as their evidence something the judge was able to prove was completely false and she said out loud, you know, basically, you don't do that in my courtroom. You don't raise me up the flagpole, accuse me of misconduct and produce false evidence to support your claim. So she's already in the direction of thinking, 
I don't know what kind of defense this is, but it is for, straight from the circus tent. She already has that attitude because of what they did to her. There was another thing the defense did suggesting there was a relationship between the parties because one of the cops was in a picture with one of the children of the other cops. And again, it was demonstrated that that child the cop was standing with was not a child of the cop, of the other cop. I mean, it was embarrassing to the defense. Now, that those are just two examples of, of literally the judge who's going to preside over this trial thinking the defense is just making shit up. And when you get a judge who feels that about what you're doing, you're going to lose rulings that you might have won that were discretionary in nature. You're going to, the judge is going to handle the trial in a way that might even correct for some of what might have been, you know, a point in your favor. But the judge, the judge is going to push back. And I think the defense is at risk of watching that happen. I do want to say um, two quick things as well. The public needs to understand that in high profile cases where everyone's paying attention and there's all these people protesting, it is often because protesters are being paid to be there. Let's understand that. Not all of them. Now listen. So you're telling me everybody who's there protesting? I pay. Come on. That's okay. You can respond. I was working for CBS many years ago, and I was out at the Santa, in Santa Maria, California, for the Michael Jackson trial. When I was watching it on TV, I saw all these protesters, and I thought, wow, there's a lot of public support for Michael Jackson. But when I was at the courthouse, there were no protesters except twice during the day. Once when he arrived, yes, he was acquitted. And they were going like this, yay, Michael. And as soon as he drove away, they left. And then when he came back to leave the courthouse at the end of the day, they came back with their protest sticks and left. There were no protesters. Nobody cared. No one was there. Only for the photo op when he arrived and when he left. My point being, it is possible to pay companies to create protest situations, and then sincere people might well become part of it. We saw it during the Louise, Louise Woodward trial. Protesters were paid to be outside the courthouse. That doesn't mean all when the they just admitted the defense has won in the court of public opinion. I know it's hard to swallow. And this cockamamie story that you're coming up with right now. I'm telling people, you, I know firsthand. Protesters can be paid. It is part of our system that protesters can be paid. I didn't say they are paid. They can be paid. They can be now paid. I've, now I become reason. now I become mainstream media because everyone's arguing like they do on CNN and I can't control <laughs> it. Now I've officially become mainstream media. Look at this. Turtle Boy wants in right now. This is a, a first. You should bring in, him in. It's a first in STS Nation history. Uh, Turtle Boy, <laughs> uh, email us right now. Surviving the Survivor at Gmail. Uh, the COE will send you a link. And when I see you, I'm going to bring you in. Um, we and don't we, have nine hours. I want to answer the question about the arm scratches, because I do think that's an important and interesting issue for the prosecution to deal with. And it's an interesting and important piece to exploit from the defense side. I'm not sure what caused those injuries, but it's consistent with him being pushed by a plow. He did. There was plowing. Yes, a plow driver said he didn't see a body. That doesn't mean he wasn't plowed. And however far his body was pushed, a plow, you know, the edge of the plow is often jagged. It's often um, very, um, you know, aggressive, if you will. And I don't think there's... Uh, clear answer to the question, but it's not inconsistent with him being pushed on that side of his body 
by a plow because the scratches are long, you know, sideways. Um, they're not consistent with anything else I can think of. And I do think that in the beginning anyway, everybody believed that his body had been moved by a plow. I don't know if it was the driveway professionally plowed or was it? No, no, and he wasn't moved in the driveway. It was a street plow. It was, it was because his body never got up the driveway. She let him out at the bottom. And I think if a plow did move his body, it would have been a street plow. And Lara, that was Turtle Boy's latest information is that he went to a meeting uh, and tried to talk to this plow driver, I think he's spoken with, who said he did not see a body, right? So there's Correct. more confusion. He wasn't plowed. There was a blizzard. I mean, he yes. was covered. There's okay. no question that that you can, he can be tr- truthful that he didn't see a body, but plowed it. I, Wendy I, Murphy, I, I don't know if these two comments are intended to be right next to each other. Hello, STS and Best Guests. I know it's time to get a glass of wine when the live starts. And then it says, Woo, Wendy Murphy's here, get ready. So uh, got to have your glass of wine when, when Wendy Murphy's here. Let's see if Turtle Boy uh, emails the COE, surviving the survivor at Gmail. We'll get him a link. We'll get him up here. Uh, I don't mind. I'll go for the next seven hours, however long you guys want to go. But let's see what happens. Oh, God. Um, we'll, we'll be careful. Tom Simon will be uh, falling asleep soon, I think. Um, yeah. My hourly rate. Driver didn't see and he plowed the body and moved it. You know, we're just ignoring the fact that he didn't see anything. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it's taking a start on a snowy night, right? I mean, hang on one sec because now I now I feel like uh, Anderson Cooper, you're having to jump in or whoever it is. Um, so let's just go up to the hours leading up to his death because this is important. So the couple, uh, Karen Reed and John O'Keefe, they're seen at a bar called CF McCarthy's in uh, Canton, Mass. They're drinking. Uh, they're drinking with friends. They then head over to the Waterfall Bar and Grill across the street. They stay there for about an hour. They leave the second bar. They go to Brian Albert's home. Brian Albert is the other police officer. Uh, Karen Reed tells police she had stomach problems, so she dropped John O'Keefe, the police officer, off, and she goes home and says she made multiple attempts to reach O'Keefe, no response, so then she returns to the house with two friends. Tom Simon, wouldn't it be easy to prove that uh, she had stomach problems and went home and then returned with these two friends and at what time because of cell phone data? Uh, why is that so difficult to uh, corroborate? She says when she came, comes back, she finds him unresponsive. Um, when she came back to the, in the morning with her friends. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's no one arguing that she went home and then she uh, later that morning reached out to a couple females, uh, 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 let's see, Jennifer McCabe being one of them, and then came back and found the body. I think it's noteworthy that when they got back to the Fairview house, it was apparently snowing really heavily and there's poor visibility. They get back to the residence and Karen immediately sees John lying in the snow. The other women said they couldn't see him due to the poor conditions, but somehow Karen was able to look through all that darkness and snow and see her man uh, laying there in the ground. Um, And there was, you know, there is another woman there besides Jennifer McCabe who also would need to be involved in this vast Terry conspiracy Roberts. as well. Terry Roberts. Yeah. yeah. She, she would need to be involved with this conspiracy as well if that's how you're going, if that's the direction you're going. But I don't think there's any argument about, um, about the movement. You guys, those of you who know the case better than I do know, but Karen Reed went home and then came back. The question is before she went home, did she run over her boyfriend with a car? And there's also video proof that she was in front of the house 
at the time he was killed. I mean, there's video of her car. There are eyewitnesses who see her car in front of the house and then leaving. I mean, there's no dispute she was there. There's no dispute Didn't she was there. Didn't she drop him off at the party? Look I, at this. Look at this. There we go. Look at this. First ever STSA. I would never do this. Invite a guest on mid-show, but uh, the circumstances call for it. Uh, Turtle Boy, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Uh, as you are, this is a professional outfit, so uh, please debate politely. Um, do you go by Turtle Boy strictly? Do you go by, I know your real name is Aiden. What do you prefer? I prefer Doctor, but uh, you can call me Turtle Boy if you like. <laughs> Doctor's great. Yeah. Uh, we'll call you Doctor. Um, so, Doctor, um, and, and we have two other guests, Tom Simon from the FBI, Lara Uretzian, a very skilled criminal defense attorney, and you know Wendy Murphy, um, I know she lies. Really. Yeah, not really. We don't oh, no, know she's her. a liar. She, I know. I just listen to her make up a bunch of lies. Okay, so Turtle Boy, what is she lying about? And uh, if you could counter uh, her lies, well, for uh, one thing, she says she number one, she says that I'm being paid by the defense, that I'm some sort of paid PR firm. That is 100 percent false. Do you have anything that can back that up? I said defense attorneys pay. For people to elevate false stories, you can take that how you see it. What am, are you saying that David Yannetti and Alan Jackson are paying people? I to said the it's story? done in defense attorneys. Is it done in this case? Is it done in this case? All the time. Is it done in this case? Yes or no? Is it done in this case? Yes or no? Bank records, and I'll give you my opinion. Okay, okay, so you so you have nothing to back that up. Thank you. Now, give me your bank that. records, and I'll number let you know. two. She also poo pooed the, uh, the the trooper's name is Michael Proctor. Michael Proctor is a close family friend of both the Alberts and the McCabe's. There is a picture of him with Jennifer McCabe's two daughters on Facebook. She just lied. She said they're not his daughters. They are Jennifer McCabe's daughters. You act, have you guys actually seen the picture? The picture that the judge was shown. The picture that the prosecution poo pooed was a picture of a single daughter. Nope. And that wrong, one was demonstrably wrong. not. You're just wrong. You're just, you're just 100% wrong. You're just wrong. adding can... stories. No, 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 no. I told I you that the defense was lied. No, 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 You talk a lot, Wendy. You talk a lot. It's my turn to talk. You're just lying. You like to talk, Wendy. You like to talk, Wendy. Listen, it's got to be one at a time, and I'm the host, so chill out. Uh, I would, I would no, glad, boy, how about this? How about, no, no, how about this? How about we no, do, how about we look this? at the picture? I'll answer how, can, your has she ever stopped? Sir, Did she man? stop talking ever? Or, uh, how, how about we goes. look at the picture? Let's look at the picture. Let's look at the picture. doesn't lie about everything, blah, 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 blah. but they lied about enough Wendy. things that the judge has called them liars. That's the truth. Let's look, okay, we're going to look at the picture. You said the picture is not Jennifer McCabe's kids. Is that what you said? picture with a single child in it. Don't add stories now. I said, the, okay. I said the judge called them liars because they've lied. The judge did not call them liars. Oh, but they did. Oh, but she did. No, sh show me where the judge called them liar. Show me All where right. the judge called Turtle Boy, yeah, can you pull up? Hang on one sec. Turtle Boy, can you pull up the photo on your screen for everyone? Yeah. Is that possible? I don't yeah, know. I can, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to retrieve it. Give me All one right. sec. Let's please be polite and let's please debate. Uh, oh, absolutely. I always bring receipts. That's one thing about me. Okay. Um, okay. While you're pulling that up, let me go to the autopsy findings. And Tom and Lara are guests on the show. Uh, and Turtle Boy, with all due respect to you, they were here before you. So let's uh, keep them included in the conversation. Um, mm -hmm. The pictures. Here you uh, go. Um, there were, Lara, abrasions. Here we go. 
COE is, uh, let me get rid of this comment here. Um, sorry. Why is that? Okay. What are we looking at, Turtle Boy? So what you're looking at here is a picture of Michael Proctor, and there are three girls in the picture. The girl in the foreground is his niece. That is not related to the McCabe's. The two girls in the background are Allie and Maddie McCabe. I apologize, Olivia and Maddie McCabe. And the prosecutor, not the judge, Wendy lied about that. The judge did not say that these are not Jen McCabe's kids. The prosecutor, Adam Lally, said that they're not Jen McCabe's kids. These two kids, those are Jen McCabe's children. There they are, right here. That's her. That's Jen, that's her. That's her. The judge what? called the defense a liar, and I didn't say it was about the judge. That the, show me, show me, show me, the, show me where the judge called him a liar. Show me where the judge called him a liar. Show me where the judge called him a liar, Wendy. Can you do that? Broken Can you do that? Can you do that? Don't change the subject. Explain, Karen. Don't change the subject, Wendy. I called you out on a lie. I called you out on a lie. I'm going to need you to admit you were wrong. Can you admit that these are Jim McCabe's kids? Can you admit that these are Jim McCabe's kids? Squiggly pink line. Blah, 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 blah. Can you admit these are... Can you All right. Uh, Turtle Boy Wendy. Turtle Boy and Wendy. Turtle Boy and Wendy. Can you admit that these... One thing at a time. Can you admit that these are Jen McCabe's kids? She said she hit him. Can you admit that these are Jen McCabe's kids? This woman's a lunatic. In case you guys... How does this lunatic get paneled on serious panels? Seriously. All right. Hang on one second. You can't tell this woman's unstable. You can't tell this woman's unstable. Pieces at... The Hang on one sec. Like, this is not a serious Wendy, person. Why is she allowed on? Like, why is she platformed? So you can't uh, turtle. You're not a serious she's person. She's not a serious person. She's a scholar at Harvard. Can you I'm gonna explain ha- the congratulations. Congratulations. Can you she's a lunatic. Taillight turtle. Okay. On, I asked. We're talking about this. We turtle. can get to the taillight. Tail we can get to the taillight. Taillight. No more distractions. I don't. We can get to the tail. Why are you changing Let's the subject? Call the defense liars, and I want oh you to explain gosh. the taillight. You think this woman explain is saying? Explain the taillight. Listen now. Go away. All right. We can on, get Wendy. to the taillight in one second. One sec. Can we talk about? Can we establish that these are Gemma Cabe's kids? Yes or no? Can we establish that these are Gemma Cabe's kids? Are you going to talk about the tail? Yeah, I am going to talk about the tail. But first, I need you to no, 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 no. We were talking about this. Wash my feet, Joel. I mean, I'm new to your program. Is this? Are you watching? I'm coming back. I got to mute you. I'm coming back in a minute. I'm coming back. Hang on. Hang on. Lara. Lara. Uh. Yes. Oh boy, what did I get myself into? Okay. I don't know. Oh, what did I get myself me. into? I need I need Tom <laughs> I need last Tom minute guest. Thank you. I need, I need Tom and Lara's rationale here. So autopsy findings, abrasions on the right forearm, two black eyes, cut on the nose, lacerations, multiple skull fa- fractures, um, hypothermia too. I brought this up earlier, Lara, and we can have a civil conversation about this, but the defense, on the one hand, uh, mentioned an animal attack, but then on the other hand, also said that he could have basically been sucker punched inside the home. Um, in your opinion, why would the defense bring in two different theories? Uh, that confuses me. Does it confuse you? Lara and Turtle Boy, we're going to come back. Please take a breather. Please chill out, and we'll have a nice, civilized conversation. I'm going to unmute you guys in a minute. But Lara... Uh, what about these two different accounts of one an animal, one being sucker punched? Listen, they're trying to understand the evidence themselves. They weren't physically there. Their client doesn't remember hitting him, doesn't know she's hit, uh, at least doesn't think she's hit him. Bottom line is they're trying to figure out what truly happened because the 
injuries clearly are not consistent with being hit by a car. If you're telling me there's multiple skull fractures, there's abrasions on the forearm, and there's several, there's also other injuries, then someone is going to have to explain those injuries. It's not just the car, a car hitting him. So they probably came up with whatever they thought was a reasonable explanation. It could be an animal attack or it could be someone sucker punching him inside. But the bottom line is this. I know we're all trying to figure out what what's the truth here? What truly happened? We can't always figure that out. What we need to figure out is that this woman kill her, her boyfriend. And, and I think there's a plenty. Again, I'm going back to the same thing. Based on the injuries, based on, you know, the plow driver, what he said, based on a number of things that I've been talking about uh, and the search uh, and the footsteps after the so-called collision, all of it put together shows you that he was alive when she left. And someone's going to have to explain that, whether it's an animal attack, sucker punch, it, it almost, yeah, we like to hear stories. We always want to have an explanation. The bottom line is this, he was still alive and she didn't kill him. And that's what's going to have to stick and resonate with the jury. And, and Turtle Boy, I am coming to you next, right after Tom. Uh, these were guests prior to you coming on, so please uh, respect that. I know you do. Um, Tom, um, when this happened, these are the state's claims. Uh, Norfolk County prosecutors said that Karen Reed suggested to the two friends she was with, as well as Canton Emergency Services, who were at the scene, that she had hit O'Keefe with her SUV. Uh, her friends quote her as saying, I hit him. I hit him. John's dead. I wonder if he's dead. It's snowing. He's got hit. He got hit by a plow. I hit him. I hit him. I hit him. I hit him. I mean, Tom, that seems to be pretty damning evidence. I know Turtle Boy has investigated this much further than myself. I don't deny that. Uh, very well aware of that. But what do you make of these uh, state claims that she admitted to hitting him? Uh, as you said, I think earlier in the show, it is an admission of guilt in a sense, correct? Sure, sure. And, and it, again, if you believe that Jennifer McCabe is part of this conspiracy, then you'd have to discount her version of it. However, we have this inconvenient fact, and I'd be curious to hear Turtle Boy, um, his position on this, is this female Canton firefighter who responded to the 911 call who witnessed Karen telling her friends, I hit him, I hit him, I hit him. I mean, again, Karen was black, you know, blackout drunk most of the night, so I don't know that she can be held responsible for everything she said, but but it's uh, it's certainly an inconvenient fact for the defense. And uh, but I'm open to hearing alternative explanations. I'm walking into this thing with an open mind. Uh, Turtle Boy, would you like to respond to that, please? Sure. Uh, first of all, there was a dozen first responders on there. The only person, the only first responder who was interviewed and quoted in Michael Proctor's report happened to be best friends with Caitlin Albert, who was inside the house that night and conveniently said that she left at 12.15 minutes before John O'Keefe arrived. Secondly, uh, in case we haven't seen my cousin Vinny before, I shot the clerk. I shot the clerk. That's what it was. It was her saying, did I hit him? Did I hit him? Did I hit him? Oh my God, did I hit him? Because Jennifer McCabe was telling her on the car ride over, that was Jennifer McCabe's literal job, was to get it in Karen Reed's head that you did this. That's why Jennifer McCabe Googled how long to die in cold at 2.27 a.m., which should really be game over right there. I mean, how do you Google how long to die in cold at 2.27 a.m. if you think that John O'Keefe is 
at home in his bed. Instead, you're Googling how long to die in cold. There's only one Tur- reason. Turtle boy, let me stop you right there for one second. I'm sorry. I, I really have to rein this in because I STS Nation is used to uh, a modicum of decorum, and I would like to keep that tonight. But what Wendy asserted before you came on, which I would like your reaction to, and then Wendy can follow up after you. Uh, she said that that Google search actually happened around six in the morning when uh, when Karen was back on scene and was trying to, you know, laying with him and trying to help him and said to McCabe, can you Google uh, how long does it take to die in the cold? But that is not your understanding of how this. Unfolded. No, I mean, the, the facts, the facts of the matter are if you read the forensic report that used Celebrate, the most uh, commonly used machine and software that uh, extracts data from cell phones is that she Googled that at 2.27 a.m. She realized that was a pretty stupid thing to do. So she deleted it, that they found the deleted Google search. And then she Googled it again at 6.24 a.m. in the exact same way, which anybody who knows on Google, if you recently Googled something that it, and you start writing it in, that's going to be the first thing that comes up. So she Googles it again thinking, oh, yeah, if I write it this time, it's going to somehow erase the last one. Like that was obviously her, her hope it, is that if she Googles the same thing, it will somehow override the last one. And the 624 Google, of course, makes sense because she found a body in the cold and she wants to know how long to die in cold. But the 227 one would not make any sense unless she was involved in some sort of conspiracy. Jennifer McCabe never went to bed that night. Jennifer McCabe, after a full day and full night of drinking, decided that she was going to stay up till 4.53 a.m. for no reason and just wait around for Karen Reed to call her, which she did. And then she Googled how long to die in cold at 2.27 a.m. And when but, she... By the way, Turtle Boy, uh, you're, you're very knowledgeable about this, but a lot of STS, STS Nation, and we've been talking about uh, Jennifer McCabe now for a while, but tell the audience who she is and how she comes into play here. Jennifer McCabe is the sister-in-law of the homeowner, Brian Albert. Uh, her sister is married to Brian Albert. She was there that night. Uh, she's obviously uh, very, very close, obviously, with Brian Albert and her entire family. And she is one of the conspirators involved in this. Obviously, she didn't kill John O'Keefe. She's not physically capable of that. She probably doesn't weigh over 100 pounds. And, uh, but she was definitely involved in helping to cover up Brian Albert and protect her family which a lot of people might consider doing in a situation like that uh, and framing Karen Reed. I mean, that was the plan. As soon as, I don't think it was a premeditated murder or anything like that. I don't think anyone thinks that they're going to bring this guy over and kill him in the house. I think it was a fight that went wrong when someone hit him in the back of the head, causing that gigantic laceration in the back of his head. And at that point, they said, well, we need to, let's just put him out where she dropped him off. Believe me there. Sort of, I need to let uh, Wendy respond in a moment, and I want to get Lara and uh, Tom back in this. But let me ask you this. I asked this question earlier. Is it possible that Canton is does have uh, uh, an element of corruption, but that Karen Reed did this? And so maybe the hunch is, you know, the 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 impulse is to think that it is a conspiracy because you think or maybe there is in fact corruption going on in Canton. Is it possible that that's the case or no? You're saying that I, I, didn't no, I, I think there's no I, question. Defense absolutely <laughs> does. Wendy, hang on, hang on. Sorry, go ahead. No, okay. Go ahead, Turtle Boy. So 
you're asking me if I had a if I thought Canton was corrupt going into this, and that if that clouded my opinion. Is that what you're asking? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, th- I guess that's no. I had I had no opinions on the town of Canton or the Canton police before this. It's just one of 351 towns and cities in Massachusetts that I really hadn't thought too much of. I might have been there once or twice in my life. Um, but when you read the totality of the evidence in the Google search and the fact that Ryan Nagel, the only witness to this besides Lucky the plow driver who I interviewed last week. He stated that when he pulled up behind her, that John O'Keefe was not in the car with her. She had her interior lights on and he was not outside the car. So then where was he if not in the house? Where else could he possibly be if he wasn't in the car and he wasn't outside the car? Where else could John O'Keefe possibly be? So no, I don't think, and by the way, the Canton police are not the ones who orchestrated any sort of cover up here. The Canton police in their report at 6 a.m., they were the first responders on the scene, not the state police. They reported finding zero pieces of taillight fragment, zero. They were, it's, they did. Oh boy, I'm sorry. I, I have to interrupt here because I was just reading about this, um, that pieces of the taillight were not found until six days after Karen no, Reed's car no. towed. 12, Is this true? No. They, they were found 12 hours. So th- there was no pieces found at six o'clock. And he also had, he was missing a shoe. They didn't, they didn't search the house and look for the shoe or anything like that. They found a one-shoed man lying on the lawn and they're like, you know what did that? Alexis going in reverse did that, obviously. So they, the Canton police reported finding no taillight. Well, the, it became a state police crime scene within two hours after he passed away. And that is when Michael Proctor, the close family friend of the Alberts and the McCabes from that picture, decided to take over. He didn't mention anything that having familial ties to these people or anything. And at 545, the search team did another search after a full foot of snow had fallen. They found a piece of taillight, a gigantic piece of taillight, mind you, and his shoe on top of, not below, on top of the full foot of snow that had fallen. So apparently it just rises to the top. The Canton police, five Canton police officers, including three lieutenants, all missed this. They all missed the taillight. They all missed the man's shoe. Uh, They are the most incompetent group of cops. That's what the state police are telling us here. Also, how did that taillight get there? Well, uh, at four, Michael Proctor said in his report that he arrived at Karen Reed's parents' home in Dighton at 4.30 p.m. and that he had her car towed at 5.30 p.m., which would make it impossible for him, right, to get to, you know, break the taillight and put any taillight on the snow, right? Like, so, so that's why he said 5.30, except there's just one problem. The Reed parents have Alarm.com footage at their house showing the car being towed at 4.12 p.m., which left Trooper Proctor unaccounted with the alleged murder weapon for one hour and 18 minutes. He, he blatantly lied in his report about the time, and he brought the, even though the state police had taken over the organization, he did not bring the Lexus to the state police barracks. He brought it to the Canton Police Department, which no longer had jurisdiction over it, but happened to be the closest place to 34 Fairview Road. Magically then, the CERT team found what the Canton Police missed 12 hours earlier. What you're thinking of when you say six days later, as it just so happens, uh, police chief Ken Berkowitz, another close friend of the Alberts, on a hunch decided to go down this random side street in Canton that connects to nowhere. And while he was driving in a moving vehicle, he missed what Brian Albert, the deputy police chief who lives across the street from the Alberts and whose ring camera footage apparently wasn't working that night. And he saw what no one else saw. 
more taillight. He found more taillight there. It's just amazing that the original search with, with only one inch of snow on the ground, they missed all of this. But after a full foot of snow fell, the state police find mountains of evidence, including a size 12 shoe that was not there the first time. Okay, let's but, hold it right there. Uh, Turtle Boy, I appreciate all that. Tom, I'm coming to you, Wendy. I promise I'm coming to you, Wendy. Uh, Tom, <coughs> um, hearing Turtle Boy talk, he presents what seems like, you know, credible evidence um, mm -hmm. in the favor of the defense. What do you make of what Turtle Boy was just asserting here? I think Turtle Boy makes a great case for reasonable doubt in, in, in this story. However, I still go back to Occam's razor, the idea that if an event has two possible explanations, the one that requires the fewest assumptions is usually correct. And I'm also just not buying the vast conspiracy that he believes in, but it's a respectful disagreement. I just see it very differently. I also think that we're, that the, um, we're, we're hearing a lot from the defense because they're choosing to try this case in the media and the prosecution's choosing to, for the most part, speak in court. And so, that's um, not true. That's not true. Yeah. By the way, my mm. sincere apologies. That's a, that's go prosecution's out. Real quick, real quick, real quick. My sincere apologies go out to both Tom and Lara because I did not mean to sabotage them on the show. And SCS Nation will uh, defend this. Uh, that you know, it's usually a show with a lot of, uh, you know, stability. And I went off the rails a little. That's okay. It happens. Hey, Mona says after the show, Joel, you should have. STS chief of everything, uh, add STS labeled Excedrin or uh, Xanax or bourbon uh, in the merch store. That's not a bad idea. Um, and look at this. Craftsy, Craftsy says, I love Wendy, followed by Turtle Boy knows the story better than anyone here, which is probably true, uh, although Wendy might, you know, she's, she's, she's <laughs> Wendy doesn't know anything. Uh, well, <laughs> I, I wouldn't say I'm that. I'm being honest. I mean, that's what anybody would say. Coming to you. Uh, real oh, quick, Lara. Defense claims here. You're the you're a defense attorney, Larry. The defense claims are this was a large scale cover up between state and local police that O'Keefe's injuries, again, could be from an animal attack. Um, and then we bring in Jennifer McCabe, the person that uh, Turtle Boy has been talking about. Uh, she's been described as the government's sen seminal witness. But as we just heard, she Googled uh, reportedly at 2 a.m. Wendy says later how long to die in the cold. Obviously, that is curious. Uh, according to lawyers, she then also tried to delete that. Um, the defense quote is here, McCabe explicitly told law enforcement that she did not think much of O'Keefe's failure to enter the residence that night and, and assumed that O'Keefe and Miss Reed simply decided to go uh, go home. Yet three hours before Jennifer, Jennifer McCabe had any reason to suspect O'Keefe hadn't gone home with Miss Reed three hours before she inserted herself into Miss Reed's search for O'Keefe and delayed her return to the Albert residence and three hours before her discovery of his lifeless body in the cold snow of her brother-in-law's front lawn, Miss McCabe had only one thing on her mind. How long does it take to die in the cold? Uh, Lara, your response to hearing that? I mean, she's making a great point again for a reasonable doubt that this is what, uh, you know, we've been talking about. There are certain things that the prosecution cannot explain, regardless of, again, what happened inside that house, exactly how uh, Mr. O'Keefe passed, uh, when these pieces of the taillight were found, all of that. There, You've got a witness like McCabe who 
could be destroyed by the defense when she takes the witness stand. You all know, we all know that that's going to happen. Who in the world searches coincidentally on this specific night? How long it would take for someone to die in the cold? Who does that? Just miraculously, the guy is dying outside. She's right around the same time she's searching this. Why would she search it unless she had reason to do it? I mean, the, the defense could have a field day with this. Anything she says is not going to come across as genuine or credible. A jury is going to have a tough time believing someone like she's her. Gonna plead the, she's going to plead the fifth. She's going to she, she's gonna have to plead the fifth. If something happened inside the house, why? obviously she's not going to want to admit to it. There's a lot of little pieces here that make zero sense. And I agree with what you just read, whatever, whatever that caller or whoever wrote that. Bottom line is, McCabe is maybe the prosecution sees her as their seminal witness, but I can tell you, she could be their downfall. Um, Turtle Boy, we're going to go to Wendy. Please let her speak. Uh, this is my show. Let I'm her gonna speak. mute myself. Okay. Yeah, mute him. Definitely mute him. Yeah. Uh, so Wendy. Control. Okay. So, Wendy, so here's, um, the, here's the most important thing I can say. Wendy, real quick so though, one thing about one thing about McCabe is that. Yeah. Uh, the defense said what's even more shocking is that uh, before turning her phone over to law enforcement, Miss McCabe took, quote unquote, calculated steps to purge her phone of this inculpatory search. I'm going to leave it there. Take it from there. OK, so one thing the prosecution has said in court documents, because um, they don't engage in uh, paid for PR stunts, they, they respond in court. So one thing the prosecution said is that they have yet to receive a single piece of credible evidence not bought and paid for um, by some defense hack, defense uh, expert witness hack. And I think we all know we don't have to debate that if you have money, you can pay a defense expert to say that up is down and black is white and whatever the hell else you want. It's part of the game. But, you know, when the prosecution says in a pleading that the def they have asked the defense over and over and over for any credible exculpatory evidence and they will do whatever they need to do to make sure it is examined, investigated, and what they'll do anything the defense wants. And they have yet to receive a single piece of credible evidence from the defense suggesting anything other than the obvious, which is that she did hit him which is why she mentioned it over and over and over and over again to multiple witnesses, whether whether she wasn't sure she hit him because she was drunk or she said she did hit him or she told her father she hit something. I mean, this is a woman who said over and over and over, including to her own father, I think I hit something or I did hit something. Let's not dismiss her as her own best witness because those statements are going to come in and they are going to be damning and you can't just... Tell, you can't say she's part of the conspiracy, right? But she's the one who made those statements. And they're going to be incredibly hard for the defense to overcome. No juror is going to think she would make those statements if the cops conspired to kill a guy and pin it on her. That makes no sense at all. The second thing I want to say about Jen McCabe is, um, you know, it's so easy to find, to find one bad guy and try to make her into something that she isn't, and especially to focus on this search. Just read the document that the government filed where they explained the absurdity of the defense hired gun expert claiming that she made that Google search at two in the morning. She clearly didn't 
It's complicated. The technology is complicated, which is why the defense gets away with saying it out loud as if it's a simple concept. She Google searched at two in the morning. No, she didn't. But to explain it takes a lot of time and you have to understand technology about how databases are, are created when you do search for something. It's complicated. I'm not remotely capable of explaining the details, but I can tell you that if you bother to take the time to read the prosecution's response, you will never again believe the hooey about the Google search at two in the morning. You just won't. The other part that's really important because the most, to me, the most important evidence is her damning statements implicating herself. I killed him. I killed him. Did I kill him? Did I hit him my, to my father? Did I think I hit something? Those are damning, but they come all, t all uh, they come together with her damaged vehicle because this is irrefutable evidence that her taillight is broken. Now, I just heard a lot of talk about how there was a window of opportunity for someone to go break the thing and bring the glass over and put it on top of the snow, the plastic piece of red. Here's the thing. Jen McCabe, along with Kerry Roberts, someone no one on the defense side seems to want to talk about. They don't condemn her. They don't call her crazy. They don't say she's part of the conspiracy. They don't destroy her. They don't trash her. They pretend she doesn't exist because she's a very good witness. And what does she say about the taillight issue? She says that in the morning before, before Karen Reed's car was driven back to the scene and they found his dead body, before they found John Keefe's, de John Keefe's dead body, Reed showed Carrie Roberts and Jen McCabe her broken taillight. She showed it to them when discussing whether she hit him. She pointed it out to them. They saw it. That was hours before the cop got to the, the her parents' home in Dighton and, um, supposedly, you know, came up with an opportunity to, to break it. I don't know how you break it after it's broken. But she showed the broken taillight to them. And the only opportunity it had to be broken was when she ran him over, when she crashed him in the head and he fell backwards, banged the back of his head, which is how he got the hematoma that caused the bleeding in the eyes. There was no fight. There was no killing. He never went in the house. The evidence is overwhelmingly clear about this. Kerry Roberts is going to be a very important witness for the government because no matter how much they try to slander Jen McCabe, Kerry's going to say the same thing. And they're going to suck her into the conspiracy too? I can't wait to see that. Uh, we're going to come back to Turtle Boy, but let me let me get to Lara, back to Lara here. Um, Lara, very, the, Even before you ask me the questions, there's a couple of points I wanted to make. Um, as far as Wendy's talking about the cell phone um, data and how complicated it is, and she keeps saying it's complicated, it's com Have you been recently dealing with the Celebrite stuff? It's not that complicated. They just download everything that's on your cell phone and you can literally search and see everything that individual has done. I have plenty of cases. All the cases that we've gotten, especially recently, have involved Celebrite. And you, everything is downloaded. It's a software. And you can actually see exactly what time certain things were done. And it, no one questions it. This idea that it's too complicated is ridiculous. It's right there for everyone to see. It doesn't take a genius. We Once the expert downloads it all, anyone in my office can go through the data and see what time the text went, what the content of the text was, what websites they were on. Everything is on there. So I want to make it very clear that Celebrite is not as complicated as Wendy Murphy is making it out to be. 
it's quite the opposite. It's very easy. Any one of us can, once the data is downloaded, you can see it all. And it, it, it doesn't take a genius to figure out. That's number uh, yeah. one. Wendy, I've got you muted. Just say no. And Turtle Boy meetings, I have to in order to keep the show on the on the rails. But it's funny watching you guys both scream at each other. Mute I'm not screaming. I'm just laughing to myself. It's entertaining, though. <laughs> and uh, as far as the statements... Um, Lara, go ahead, Lara. And as far as the statements that uh, Ms. Reed is making, right as she, I mean, as she finds out that her boyfriend is dead, I mean, think about it. She's at the scene. She dropped them off. Who in their right, who would have thought that something, like someone maybe killed him, somebody punched him? Her mind isn't necessarily going there. She's probably second guessing herself. And just because she screams it, it doesn't mean it's true. Because clearly, if 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 the evidence is true, if, if it's true that she was under the influence, and she doesn't know, she clearly didn't know she hit anyone. She left the scene. She would have never left someone she cared about or loved. And that, that's pretty evident there to die. So she's just second guessing herself. And that doesn't make it true. It doesn't mean that she in fact did it. And the jury is going to see that too. They can read into every statement as much as they want to. They will see what that is. It's just someone who's just second guessing herself, doubting herself. Could I have done that? Did I do it? Imagine the guilt because she doesn't know. But clearly the evidence later on started to show that in fact, she's not the one that did it. Something else happened here. Yeah, thank you, Lara. Uh, Tom, someone said, uh, why is this the first case, uh, I'm paraphrasing now, where the, the cell phone evidence uh, isn't reliable? Now, the defense said uh, they're alleging a dem- quote-unquote demonstrable pattern of attempting to manipulate, conceal, and destroy evidence that might expose their involvement in O'Keefe's murder. That's why she tried to you know, get rid of information on the phone. Um how much more closely do these cell phones need to be looked at? I mean, you're the FBI guy here. Is If stuff was deleted, I'm assuming it is still retrievable and they would be looking into it, correct? Yeah, I'm not going to claim any expertise here. I, uh, I'm going to remain agnostic on the cell phone issue. The defense has a witness who has a story to tell. I, I can promise you that the prosecution will also have their own expert witness who will do their own forensic review of the data and then the jury will have to decide who's more credible. Uh, getting to Lara's point, though, about uh, you know whether she knew she hit him or not, um, I believe they did a forensic examination of her vehicle to find that the reverse camera was, in fact, working uh, that mm-hmm. night. And um, and so the idea that that this that she would have thought she hit a curb or something like that if she's going in reverse with a, with a camera that actually worked does not seem credible to me. But uh, what other what other conclusion could she reach that he got beat up inside the house and left that? To that, like, what other region? What other conclusion could Karen Reed reach at the scene? By the way, this is my favorite comment from Quam Lee Turtle Boy. We have to leave this crap by nine for a real show. Yours, um, <laughs> Tom. Let me let me uh, just jump in here, uh, yeah. Turtle Boy. What is, in your you've done the reporting, uh, Wendy? You're coming back in a minute. I still have you mute, Wendy. I'll unmute in a second, Turtle Boy. What happened in the house that night, according to your reporting? Well, it's just theories. I mean, all we have is theories. What what we do know is that he something his body ended up like that because of something that happened in that house tonight that night. And then he, he got left out there. We know that obviously Alexis going in reverse did not do that. There was no bruising on his torso or midsection, uh, no broken bones, no pelvis, nothing like that. The only injuries he had were to his head. We had a gigantic gash in his head and big um, you know, obviously black eyes were almost coming out of his face. And I, I heard Wendy previously state that, oh, he was hitting the driveway. Not even the prosecution 
contends that he was hitting the driveway. The driveway, as you can see from my background, is over here. John's body was found 20 yards this way over here. So that, that shows you how little she understands about this case. Obviously, going in reverse and knocking someone onto grass would not cause the damage that we saw to John O'Keefe's body. Like, have you guys seen the picture, the autopsy photos? Have you? Because, mm -hmm. I mean, that tells the whole story right there. As soon as you see the autopsy photos, you know, something's not right here. Also, have we seen the Lexus? There is no damage whatsoever to the Lexus besides the taillight. That's the only part of the t the car that had any sort of damage at all. We know that because we've seen pictures and videos of it. Of Wendy, don't worry, I'm going to give you a chance to respond. Uh, Turtle Boy, let me ask you this. Um, They had a German Shepherd. The implication is that the German Shepherd attacked him too. Uh, what What is your reporting found? Because they, on the one hand, this is where I get confused. They say he was blindsided, probably sucker punched, but there was also an animal attack. Did both things happen that night? Yeah, so this is my theory, and I think the defense's theory. So he had an issue with Colin Albert. When Colin Albert's his former neighbor, this punk kid who goes around fighting everyone, just a real jerk. And uh, what I think went in there is uh, O'Keefe walks in, Colin Albert's like, O'Keefe, what the hell are you doing here? And they start having words. A fight breaks out. Brian Albert is immediately going to decide with his 18-year-old nephew over this guy he barely knows. And when Brian Albert gets involved in the fight, that loyal, unneutered dog, what do you think? Who's it going to side with? It's the owner or John O'Keefe? No, the dogs are trained to back and protect their owners. And so the injuries happen right here on the arm, exclusively on the right arm, almost as if the dog was jumping up at him and he put his arm up like this to shield himself from the dog. There are parallel scratch marks, parallel scratch marks. If you Google any other German shepherd attack, you will see that they are almost identical to them. There's a couple also teeth incisions, but it's mostly scratch marks where the dog got him real good. There's no other explanation. And by the way, they've been, the defense has been asking for his clothes to have them DNA tested for well over a year now. They just filed another motion to compel today, which we're going to go over on my show tonight, and they have still not received those back, probably because there's dog DNA likely all over them. And John doesn't own a dog. So it's going to be, of course, it's the dog. And by the way, the dog is gone. The dog just disappeared. No one knows where the dog is. The dog also, according to animal control records out of Canton, sent two other people to the emergency room. So this dog has a violent history of attacking human beings, and he's in there. There's a fight occurring. The owner of the dog gets in a fight with John O'Keefe. Of course, the dog is going to attack John O'Keefe. And of course, those are not, there's no other explanation for the dog bites. It's so obvious. And, and Turtle Boy, one other, I, I read something you posted today, which I thought was interesting in a um, kind of ancillary uh, matter, not directly related, but this judge, Judge Beverly Canone, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, uh, she's the daughter of an attorney who once represented Brian Albert's father in a case. Is that brother. right? So there brother. Are... Brian Albert's brother. brother. Yep. And, brother. Okay. and he's the father of Colin Albert, who were both the prime suspects in this. Yeah. So there's, I mean, there are. Uh, she didn't disclose that. She forgot to mention that. There are small town connections and we will see uh, how this plays out. I'm going to wrap this up in a moment. Uh, STS Nation, this was fun tonight, but I can't ever go through this again. Uh, either can I. Uh, Joel, I don't know if you drink, but if you do have a drink after this and if you don't have one anyway, um, 
I do drink socially, and uh, tonight I'm going to drink solo. And I'm definitely pouring a scotch after this. Uh, first time ever. But and Turtle Boy, in all seriousness, I would love to uh, have you, I was going to say, and Wendy. I don't know if I can do you guys together, but I would love to have you back on the show Um you know, maybe together. We'll see uh, if you guys agreed to it. Wendy's still muted and shouting, but I appreciate your reporting as a former reporter um, and uh, respect what you do. Uh, you better mention my show on your show at night. No, absolutely. I'd love to come back on. I, I, I honestly, I, I just found a couple, a few turtle riders just messaged me and they're like, they're talking about this on here. And so I, I just subbed to your channel. You got a new follower and I'd be happy to come on and discuss this more in detail sometime. Yeah, do me a favor. Hang on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap it up because I know you have to get to your show. Larry Uretzian, Um, She's probably going to go have three drinks tonight and never come back on my show. Uh, she's the pr Hang on one sec, Wendy. I'm coming to you. Wendy, Wendy, you're going to get the final word. You're going to get Lara's the final word. Lara's going to be back. Don't I'm, worry. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, Lara, I hope you do come back. Uh, she's the principal of Uretzian Law in Glendale, California. Uh, she worked for uh, a guy named Mark Garagos. You probably heard of Michael Jackson, Nate Dogg. Uh, the James Bond director, Lee Tamahori, Scott Peterson. Uh, well, Larry Uretzian worked on all those cases. Your final thoughts, Larry? My final thoughts is this is going to be one interesting case. I can tell you for now, the defense is ahead and the prosecution is behind. The defense has won in the court of public opinion, and that's going to be helpful when it's when it comes time to select a jury. I can tell you that much. And it's going to they've already got their reasonable doubt. I would truly be surprised if she's ever found guilty in this case. I just don't see Karen Reed being found guilty. Most likely she will be acquitted. Worst case scenario, hung jury. But my my opinion is she'll probably be acquitted. Uh, Tom, Tom Simon, uh, he served the FBI in our nation for 26 years as a special agent with an expertise in white collar uh crime uh, investigations. He's also a CPA, which is why he wears those glasses, because he's astute, knows numbers. He crunches them, looks at his phone all day. Uh, he also uh, owns Simon Worldwide Investigations. He worked in cool places like Honolulu and Chicago and uh, put bad guys away. Uh, Tom, uh, do you promise to come back? This was your first time on this show and uh, it was slightly unhinged. So I hope you will come back and uh, let us know if you will. And your final thoughts. Well, I'd love to come back to the show. Um, you know, I think everyone on the show actually made excellent points. I think Karen Reed is guilty, and I think she actually ran over this. I do think she was overcharged. I don't know why we're treating a blackout drunk hit and run like a second degree murder. Um, however, I think that the Turtle Boy made some make some excellent points that throw enough um, reasonable doubt into this that she may actually be found not guilty by a jury because you only need one to you only need to convince one person. And uh, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, great to have you. And uh, we're going to now uh, read a comment from Be Real, a man six foot, 200 pounds plus pounds, uh, would not have the extent of injuries being hit by a vehicle backing up going 20 miles per hour and 50 feet away. Uh, Wendy Murphy, uh, your final thoughts, Wendy, um, your final thoughts. I am, you know, never uh, surprised when jurors are stupid enough to believe nonsense because defense attorneys learn in school first class the most important thing you can do is identify and select stupid juries. Um, they always go in the direction of nonsense. And and we let defense attorneys choose stupid jurors. It, we shouldn't, but we do. So I'm not going to predict the end game here. I am going to say that there aren't enough stupid jury jurors in Norfolk County to acquit her. 
there just aren't enough of them. There might be a few. They're not, they're not stupid enough in that county. They're pretty educated there. I will say this because I think getting distracted by red herrings, again, is a tried and true defense tactic. Um, I'm not going to say it's unconstitutional, but, you know, there's a difference between the Fifth Amendment right to remain silent and uh, the, the non-existent amendment to lie. There's no constitutional right to lie. Defense attorneys will put false information into the court of public opinion because they can. And I really want to emphasize this. You can't punish the defense when they make stuff up. You can punish the prosecution when they make stuff up because you can suppress evidence you can dismiss charges. When the state behaves badly, there are sanctions. When a defense attorney or a defendant behaves badly, even if they lie out loud, remember OJ, you cannot punish the defense because you can't, you know, find him guilty as punishment. There are there are no sanctions on that side, which is why you get the imbalance of false stuff from the defense and virtual silence from the prosecution, except that they can respond in court documents, which they do. But then nobody goes and reads the goddamn court documents. The court documents in this case make clear why the turtle man's claims are nonsensical. But you got to do some legwork. Get off your ass. Stop watching these stupid shows. Not yours, Joel. But but go read the goddamn court documents so you don't sound stupid when you buy into this nonsense. The most important evidence in this case, I'm going to restate it because we don't we can't afford to get distracted. A man is dead. Justice should be done. The way to do that is to find the truth, not distract the entire world with nonsense. The way to focus on the truth is to ask, what was the evidence in the immediate aftermath of his death? The most powerful evidence is the defendant's own statements over and over and over again. I killed him. I hit him. I think I hit something. I think I hit something. The physical evidence is consistent with her hitting him with her taillight. Why? Because she hits him. She hits him in the front. He's sitting on his ass because he's drunk when he gets out of her car and he falls on his ass. She hits him in the head right here, which is where the first injury is. He goes backwards and slams his head, not on the grass, not on the grass, on the asphalt. That's where he got the big cut in the back of his head. That's where the fractures and the bleeding happened, which came forward like they always do and created the two black eyes. Typical, typical injuries that you see from head trauma. Then a plow comes along and scoops his body down a bit up onto the grass, but guess what the plow gave him? Scratch marks. The medical examiner said these marks have nothing to do with a damn dog. Stop blaming the poor dog who can't defend himself. This is from a plow. They called it blunt force trauma. Those are those scratches. And the most important thing is everyone will agree, if you just read the evidence, that that taillight broke right then and there when she smashed him in the head. Her taillight wasn't broken before, and everyone agrees it was broken when she returned to the scene in the morning and found the dead body. And pieces of her taillight just happened to be found near the body. She can't explain that away. And again, I remind you, what else was found in her broken taillight, which, by the way, was also surrounded by damage to the paint? There was a bit of a dent to that area around the taillight. And guess what else was found? embedded in her tail light human hair human hair not dog hair not turtle hair human hair 
we're going to now assume that the police conspired, plucked hair out of the dead guy, went back to the scene and stuck it in the broken taillight? Use your friggin' head. Don't make such fun of the criminal justice system. This is embarrassing. You should be ashamed of yourself. I'm so sorry. I'm so ashamed of myself. You should be. You should be doing such. Yes, you sound sane and rational. You sound sane. That dead man does not want you slewing shit about his life and death. We need truth, not nonsense. Truth. And you're and you are very you're very you're a serious person, Wendy. You're a very serious person, and you've completely changed my view on this. Great job. Thank All you. All right, listen. Thank you. Listen. Um, appreciate everyone. Uh, Wendy, as always, is very passionate. Many people disagreeing with her. Many people agreeing with Turtle Boy, and vice versa. Um, again, an unusual show, uh, but uh, we all uh, sometimes agree to have differing opinions, and this is why we have uh, the ju- uh, judicial system that we have in this great nation. A jury will ultimately, it looks uh, like they will decide this case, as Lara so rationally said, in a court of law. Again, I need to apologize to Tom and Lara, I feel like, for being thrown into the middle of this. Um, Turtle Boy, you're a real uh, mensch, as they say in... Uh, Yiddish for coming on and uh, last second like this and giving your side. Uh, Wendy, uh, you are passionate and uh, intelligent. Contrary to some of the comments there, um, one of the smarter people that I know. And uh, I would love to uh, regroup and have uh, a discussion about all this. Uh, once again, Turtle Boy shaking his head. Thanks for having me. I got to get going for my own show, but thank you for having okay. me. Great, great having you, Turtle Boy. Uh, we're back tomorrow night. Live, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. We're either doing Rachel Morin or we're doing uh, the Long Island Serial Killer. It seemed to be a toss-up from the audience. We'll figure that out. Until next time, love you, America. Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and... The chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. (laughs) Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks.